House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run Podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin, joined by Jason, who is the recipient of a new pair of running shoes. Jason, how are the next generation of Alpha Flies? How do they feel? That's, you know, I, I was going to go with those, and then I was like, hey, Jason, you haven't run really in years. Maybe you should start easier. Um, yeah, I one of the people I one of the guests at at work uh, gave me a Nike gift card, um, so I bought wow. some uh, some cool like old school Nike, you know, just like regular shoes. And mm. then uh, I was like, I should buy some running shoes. Maybe maybe I'll give this a shot again. See what see how the knees go. So yeah, I got the Downshifter Tens. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. They had good reviews. They said they were they were solid. You know, I didn't want to go too crazy, but. Uh, See what happens. Not the most intimidating name. No, but I think that's good for me. I don't need, you know, I'm not going to be attacking the road. I'm like, yeah, I'm just downshifting, cruising around town, making my way downtown, walking fast. You know, how long is your? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These okay. These look. These look fine. Yeah, these look fine. I don't know how many carbon plates are in these. How do you know? That's well, I on Amazon I bought like six carbon plates, so I figure (laughs) worst case I just put them in myself. Okay, a little DIY project for you? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, you know, we're all looking for stuff to do around the house. Yeah, exactly. Just put a couple small holes in the front and back of your shoe, and then it slides right in. I'm I'm excited to hear how your next running adventure goes. It's been a y- couple of years since we've talked about that on the show. Yeah, like, and I've gone for the occasional, like, little easy jog here and there, but, uh, you know, haven't really had great consistency with it. So uh, figured, hey, let's see what happens. The downshifter. <laughs> That's you know we talked before about how running companies have given up on naming shoes. That's exhibit. That's a proof right there. Right there. <laughs> who who would be the athlete who would represent the downshifter? Miriam Jamal. Is that <laughs> <laughs> the Nike downshifter? I if Meb was still with them, I almost think Meb because he yeah. just, he shuffles along. Like you, That's true. You hear downshifting and you think someone just just cruising, not necessarily somebody who's looks like they're bouncing off of the road that's a good point i like that i'll I'll take that for sure but you are referring more to people who quit (laughs) at the end of championship races yeah i mean they did she downshifted pretty good for one race that i can remember and just say we're turning this thing down yeah that's a good pick that's more how i'm gonna look at the end of these runs probably so it's uh it's good to know just take three 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 or four steps, just walk across the line. I mean, we like just, to make fun of Mary Jamal. It's so funny. She's like a three-time gold medalist, but she's, well, she's, she's forever been retired be remembered. probably for how many years? Oh, now? yeah. It's got to be a while, but she'll never forever be remembered when she walked it in. Yeah. You can't, you run through the line. Unless you're hurt, just run, run all the way through. Or if you win and you want to celebrate. I say celebrate early. That's a, that's a possibility. Do you think we're ever going to see that? It will drive you wild. You'll be so angry. But do you think we'll ever see somebody – like walk across the line because they're so far ahead in a in a race on the track. I hope not. That would be pretty. That'd be pretty disrespectful, right? Like, no, it'd be amazing. I would love it. What are you like talking about? Walking through the line. Yeah, you know what? If you don't want someone to walk, 
Run faster. It's uh, I I hope whoever tries that gets passed in the last uh last yes. stride there. You know, because that's just like hey, you, you know, I mean, I'm not against celebrations. I just just celebrate right after you pass the line. That's all I ask. Then I, do then do whatever we, you want. We've seen a couple marathon. I know they do this in triathlons too, because the race is so dang long and you're ahead by nine minutes at the end. Right. That someone walks towards the end, and I'm sure there's been marathon races where the last stride or so they might they might walk, but. It would have I mean, to like the final, the final leg of the Tour de France is like them just drinking champagne for like yes. three miles, right? <laughs> well, I find that disrespectful. I, I, I kind of like that because it's quite like, frankly, Jason, I find it disrespectful to the sport of cycling. I mean, I always wanted somebody to just like, as the leader is getting it, to just then take that moment to book it as they're <laughs> as they're going. But uh, I want them to. I want it to be close enough. Has it ever been close enough to where the last one matters? I think every once in a while it is. Um, but I think, you know, hey, if you're doing the Tour de France, that's however many days, you know, you, you, you're you in that champagne on the final day there. Yeah, but people like you think it's disrespectful to not complete things all the way. I guess it would have to be – I find it hard to believe somebody would be far enough ahead in the 400, for example, to where they yes. can get their momentum to stop. Get the champagne going with and 20 no, no, to go. No, not the champagne, but just the walking across the line. It would have to be – that it would almost take it would take longer to slow down and get to a walk. Yeah, it's than uh, the stride itself. I you feel like fif- really fifteen hundred is the minimum that it feels like, and even that seems tough. Yeah, uh, mo- well, much more likely in a five or ten k. But you know who I think about when this question comes up? It's someone we haven't talked about very often, but someone who's dead set on getting revenge on the entire country of France. Oh man, that's a good point. Because Kemboy did something that you found completely. Disrespectful. Oh, Randy Nathalene. I love. I mean, I love Ezekiel Kemboy. He's one of my favorite runners ever. Um, but you said he should be banned from the sport. Then didn't you? <laughs> I don't think that was my take, but it's possible. Um, no, you know, it's it's. Hey, I've never been that good at anything. So who am I to say anything at all? But I just, man, and even even the bolt celebrations, which you know, dude, running all the time. Like I still just like go, how fast would he run in those races? Running onto lane eight was a nice touch, though, because he kept running. And yeah. then it made, the, it made just, the coolest finish line photo we've ever seen. Yeah. Where he's in lane eight, and then everybody else is in lane one. And you don't even know. He's like, oh, he must have dropped out. Where's Ezekiel Kemboy? Oh, he's hiding over there. And he didn't stop. That's true. He sort of, he kind of started jogging. And his dances, I, like, I'm all for the dancing. Like, that's good stuff. Yeah. I, I, like, do we have an update on him? Does anybody know where Ezekiel Kemboy is? Wasn't he Someone? supposed to come back for 2020, but then obviously nothing happened in 2020. Right. Um, he's 38, so I, which he's been winning medals for like 25 years, so I don't know how that's yeah. possible. Um, he was old when he retired the last time. Or yeah. not retired, but he was old but, when he vowed revenge on France. That's right. Hashtag uh, no limit, right? Yeah, so 2017, he competed in Worlds, got 11th. He was DQ'd in 2016. Was well, that, that was when he the, vowed? Th- that was the year he I, he got beat, but he was in the medals. Am I remembering this right? I'm trying to remember exactly what happened that one. I trust your memory over mine. Well, I think that's why he got mad at France. Yeah. They, they protested, and they, they bumped him out. I'm going to find the wiki on this Yeah, race. Ken Boyd is qualified from steeplechase. McKeesey takes bronze. Um, in 16. Yes. Uh, yeah. Protest was presented by the French team. But Claimed where did he, he cross the track. line? 
Yeah, but that's he's listen. He can step off the track because he ran in lane eight the last time, so he has extra meters to use. Yes, I think. Yeah, yeah. He finished third. Mimikisi was fourth, but then, uh, yeah. So he he lost. So Jager was ahead of him. Yeah, because that was when Jager finished silver, right? Mm-hmm. So so yeah, so, so that didn't affect Jager, one way or the other. But I'm pulling up the. So, but but he was mad at France because they protested and it cost him his medal. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, this was a few years ago, and I should know this, but it feels like so long ago now. Um, so I I can't believe I I mean I knew he was mad, right? But I right, thought it, yes, I, I I forget the DQ angle. I I think oh he's just mad because he didn't get gold and he gets gold every freaking time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. No, I mean, I, there would be nothing better for him to come back. It seems almost impossible just because it's been so long. But if he's one of those guys who you wouldn't be surprised, right? Like if he came back and got like a bronze medal next year. Right. No, I wouldn't. Well, it's funny you bring this up because Gordon and I were talking about this uh, on the Flow Track podcast last week. Because remember you and I last year did the who are we giving up on this year? Oh, and- yeah. Which was just really bad karma. We should not have done that. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't remember who I picked. but uh, I remember a couple of the people I picked. but Whether or not I was right or wrong was irrelevant. Okay, I'm watching the finish of the steeple. Kenboy is in third by a healthy distance. Now, you'll say, oh, wow. Kipruchu celebrating early, though, putting his arms out to the side. Jason would not. Oh, he looks to the side, too. And he pumped his fist. Jason, that's three strikes there. Man. Yeah, I don't done. Know. So... Kenboy is ahead by 30 meters, 40 meters here, jogging oh, wow. across, drawing across the line. And I know you can't go back and say, well, he only beat him by this much, so he shouldn't be DQ'd or whatever. But he was a, he was comfortably in bronze, much closer to Jager in silver than he was to uh, McKeesey in fourth. In any event, we talked about the people we were giving up on. So, But Gordon and I, last week, we were talking about like sleepers, like people who might come, like deep, deep, deep sleepers. People like Kenboy. We talked about it on a domestic level. Mm. And we were coming up with people who have been good, maybe been medalists in the past, but nobody's talking about because for the last few years they've been extremely quiet. Right. And I was talking about Brenda Martinez as Mm. somebody who could be in that category, someone who could make the team even though nobody's talking about her. And even though the odds are definitely stacked against her when you look at the, the women's 800 with Wilson and Rogers leading the way do you have anybody who's on your other than Kenboy? <sighs> that's a great the deep deep sleeper question. great question um i mean i've been beating the allison felix drum is i don't know if that one's too you know i think obvious. that one would count i think that one would count like under the criteria former medalist didn't right. make the team in in 2019 it's been a few years Exactly, but you talked about her for forty-five minutes or something. Yeah, so it's. it's I feel like I was a little early on that, and had I known, I would have saved saved that for something. Um, hmm, who else would be? Well, the men's hundred is kind of wide open. Um, so I feel like you could get you could get a random Johan Blake or something like that mm. season, where okay. it's like, okay, he has to run nine eighty-eight to win silver. Is your favorite version of Johan Blake random Johan Blake? Yes, I think that's up there. I, uh, beast mode, Johan yeah. Blake is probably one, and then random Johan Blake is two. Um, but Artsy it's like Johan Blake. Three. Which one? Artsy. Oh, yeah. 
That's, he's got an Etsy page, you know, just unpredictable, Johan. Right I would now. I would buy crafts from him, absolutely. Um, his his million dollar watch. Yes. Oh, that's right. Uh, but Excuse I, me, I, time I piece. You, time it wouldn't piece. surprise me at all if we got a totally random medalist in the hundred. Mm-hmm. Someone who just really hasn't done much, just because I don't know how much it's going to take to do it. I mean, you could make some arguments for for some different guys, but I mean, if you're if you're if you're breaking nine nine. You're winning the medal next year. I feel pretty confident, or this year, I feel pretty confident about that. Um, hmm. So that opens up that to a lot of possibilities. The 200, just in general, <laughs> opens mm-hmm. up the possibility every time for for somebody. Um, hmm. I might have to think about this a little bit. Well, on the U.S. side, I'm just thinking the f- 15, the five, the 10,000 for the women. There's so many people. It's hard to envision somebody getting in there that we haven't spoken about, right? Which is why I think the four, the four hundred, eight hundred, <clears throat> or some of those other events are better places to focus on. Abdi Abdurrahman is the quintessential deep sleeper, although right. he's such he's a sleeper so many times he's no longer a sleeper. But heading into the Olympic trials this past year, even Sally Kipiego, yeah, I think I think you'd probably you probably would have put in that category because she had the, she had the credentials, but not the big recent performances to make you want to, to pick her hundred internationally. Yeah. That, that's a good, that's a good pick. I guess you could say, I mean, Daphne Shippers hasn't really been off the radar for that long, but no, like she that, I could seems to back. win medals, even though I don't think she's won since 2015. It seems yeah. like she's won like eight since then. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, but that's a that's another that's another person who I think would f- barely fit into that category. Although she made the world championship team last year, Bromel, you could probably say Bromel. Yeah, that was that was my first thought. But then I think just because he because of this last season, yeah, it, it popped into everyone's head. But also before the season, there's no chance anyone would have mentioned him. Yeah, just we wouldn't have because why would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that. That's a tough one. Um, I'm like going through like this the 2017 medalists right now, mm. just to see if there's anybody who. You, you gotta know, go farther back. Gotta go 2015. Medalists. Yeah, I think so. I was I was going 2017 just to see if anything would uh would look good, but uh. Well, that 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 is interesting. I did that the other day. Just how much turnover there is now. Olympics five years since the last one, so that weeds out more way more people. But you look at like look at this uh, look at the medalist from Rio here, Usain Bolt. I don't think he's going to win this year, Jace. That's that's on you for picking against Usain Bolt. Van Niekerk, underdog. Rodisha. There you go. He would qualify. Uh we yes, he'd be on the other end of if Shippers is on one side of this, <laughs> Rodisha is on the other side. That would be a huge story. I think we're going to hear. Um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think that's a long, the longest of long shots. Um, Centro, underdog. Farah, underdog. Farah, underdog. Omar McLeod, he's got a shot. Yeah. Karan, Karan Clement, big underdog. Yeah. Kiprucci in the steeple is facing a trial on the – okay, so Kipchoge. And then you know, Ta- Christian Taylor, Ryan Krauser. There's a lot of field eventers who could do it. Eaton, obviously retired. Women, you have Thompson, Thompson, Miller, Semenya, 
Kipya gone. Chariot in the five. Gosh, it feels like the last time Chariot ran a 5,000. Like, that might have been the last time Chariot ran a 5,000. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, I think of her as a marathoner now. Ayana, Brian Rollins, Jalila Muhammad, and then Ruth Jabet, who's suspended in the in the steeple. Not as much turnover for the women. No, yeah. I mean, even look at 2015, and even a lot of those are not Retired. crazy. Um, oh, really? Or, or still around. I mean, Fraser Price, Shippers mm-hmm. was two medals in those. Uh, Thompson. Uh, I mean, you have Bowie. Mm-hmm. I guess Bowie would kind of qualify, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be an interesting. Yeah, one. she shows, she shows up and drops ten eighty eight or yeah, something at a, exactly. at a meet in May, and you're like, well, okay, she's okay, back. She's back. Yep, there she is. <laughs> and like, she's had such a weird last few years that that mm-hmm. wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen. Um, yeah. You know, Felix won the four hundred. Um, what a year, the, huh? Man, the eight hundred. Can you name the 800 medalists in 2015 World Championships for the women? 2015 for the women. Okay, so... I think I might have gotten one. It's not Semenya, right? No. Okay, so is that the... That's the year that Arzamasova won, correct? Yes. Good call. I would not have remembered that. But click on her hyperlink. She's facing... Uh, It seems almost certain, right? (laughs) Well, is it is she or not? I don't I don't I don't want to besmirch her, her good name, but I'm almost 100 percent sure that's the situation. 2019 provisionally suspended after testing okay, positive. <laughs> okay, so she was gold. Was Eunice some silver? She was bronze. I feel like I would have gotten Eunice some. And for some reason, pretty big. Name I know there. this. Okay, so so bro, so some was bronze. Yeah. For some reason, I think Melissa Bishop got a medal. But I, God, is that right? Man, crushing it. Silver medal, Melissa Bishop. Okay. I that is not in my memory at all. I apologize to Canada. I'm sorry. I know we always <laughs> underestimate you. But kudos to Melissa Bishop. I that literally just was not in my memory banks whatsoever. I wasn't confident enough in it. So I just said I, I shouldn't have given the caveat. It should have just said, Oh yeah, and Melissa Bishop. For some reason I thought it was some and then Bishop, not Bishop and then some. Well they finished six one hundredths apart. Um actually first to third was fourteen or thirteen hundredths apart so pretty and close. what was the american showing in that final uh and i'm gonna have to click on details to figure out what yeah. happened in that so one. we need we need the details on this this is a great podcast americans did not make the final how did i forget that yeah so that's 2015 pretty, pretty 2015 close. uh was not a good world championships top to bottom for the u.s there's a lot of things that went wrong for that remember that one we talked about it afterwards and how there was rumors of you know coaching changes yeah, yeah. I had to. <laughs> this uh... no people were making. There was all this weird because that's the year they were shut out of the high hurdles, right? For the women. Oh yeah, I think you're right. The medal count, the least was, likely was, thing that's ever happened. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the medal count was was way down, and it, so the amount of people making the finals was also not good for the United States. It was not a good championship. Your girl Brenda Martinez went out in the uh, semis, so. Who else was on that team? Was it Montano, Martinez, and Wilson? That would have made sense, um, but it was Molly Beckwith, Ludlow, uh, okay, Brenny Martinez, and Montano, who went out in the first round, ran two oh nine. So something weird happened there. So what? Ha- so Wilson didn't run the world. The world I think she was yet? twelve years old in two thousand fifteen. No, she wasn't. We saw her like that first year we went to Albuquerque for the. U.S. champs in like 2011. She was running, uh, 2015. Maybe she Auntie was Wilson. Hurt. 
Yeah. Wasn't she? Oh no, we maybe it was maybe it was maybe it's one of the other years. Maybe Might it was like yeah. twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve oh, yeah, she would have been eight she would have been seventeen and in, by indoors, but Okay, never mind. I'm thinking of twenty I'm thinking of twenty fourteen. That could be. I, she would have been nineteen, yeah. That, that's when she started. Kinda. No, twenty thirteen she was there. Okay. Twenty thirteen so she ran two oh two and then one. Sorry. Not twenty eleven, twenty thirteen. Off by huge. Okay, twenty fifteen she got third at USA's. So must have been Hold on. What is going on here? Was she supposed to be on the team and miss a flight? Is that what's going on here, Jason? <laughs> I cannot. I, I can't remember any of this, but. Oh. She got hurt. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. According to Wikipedia, she got third in the 800 despite losing a shoe in the last 200. Oh, okay. I have no memory of that. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> of course, that was before she was like Audrey Wilson, like, you know. Someone who we were, who was like the best, you know, metal hope. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Well, 2014, she won, she won a lot of indoor stuff, but then 2014 is when she won her first outdoor. I feel like that was the, yeah, that, that was the, that was the run. Um, although, like we said, not the women's 800 meter goat yet. No, still not quite. No. Can do it this year. Speaking of Albuquerque. No indoor championships this year, Jason. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? But it's still, uh, you know, I don't know if it was going to be in Albuquerque or not, but still, it was. Uh, it was. Okay. I mean, maybe. Yeah. They never announced the site. Yeah. It's, never, not, it's not going to be in the place where they. It was a matter announced. if they could sell the stadium or not and sell the track. So <laughs> they're Marshall often, bought it. That's why. If you have a watch it now, then they're offering you a 10% discount right now if you uh, want to get in on it. uh not yeah not surprising people were discussing this for a while there was no site picked or site announced it was an announcement about the meet so it's either somebody forgot to do the indoor championships i think that's ever happened oh man guys uh let's just say covid we couldn't make it work what's the thing you forget to do the most in your daily life Oh, that's a good question. Um, man, I forget everything all the time. Um, oh, tell the story about how you park when you go to a place. When oh. Speaking of memory. Oh, I mean, yeah, I just, I park on level four uh, anywhere I go for anything. Um, I, in Vegas, almost everywhere has a level four parking because everything's in a casino. But uh, yeah, I always park at the exact same spot. Or same level, or or when you like when you go to the store, do you always park like I'm always on the left side of the entrance, you mm. know, like consistent. Like I won't even look for a spot right out front. Like there's always like the kind of the same row. Okay, is that is that weird? No, it's not weird. I try to do that, but my supermarket is very crowded, mm. so I have trouble finding a spot oftentimes. So I just have to take what I get, and then I come out of the store oftentimes, and I don't even remember right left. I'm yeah. so old. That's, so I forget stuff so easily. That's why I um, always the same. Yeah, no, that's smart, and I think that that's why I'm wondering when they forgot about the U.S. Indoor Championships. <laughs> they just said, "Oh, can't remember." So now we're not going to have to have it. So indoor season, I think, is essentially gone. I mean, they're doing these pro meets in Arkansas. They're doing four of them. But Milrose is gone. USA's is gone. I don't think anybody's going to want to travel overseas. We'll probably get international athletes. But there's no world championships 
World Indoor Championships. So even that is going to be scaled back. I'm sure Mondo is going to vault somewhere indoors because that's just what he does. Yes. So not just that there's going to be no – and the, the college athletes are going to try it to compete. But this becomes – this makes it pretty clear what we assumed last year towards the end of last year of, wait, how's indoor going to work? Oh, yeah, it's not. It's going to be a real, real big struggle. So, And if, if you look at like what's happening with college basketball right now in terms of – like games getting, it's just, it's impossible to schedule anything. Yeah. Basically. Um, track, I guess would be a little, like a U.S. championship would be a little bit different because it's more people coming in, but it's just one event and then it's over. You don't, you don't really need to worry about a whole season, but logistically it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, especially in a year where there's no world indoor championships. If there were a world indoor championships, do you think they would have just said, oh, we're not sending a U.S. team? Or would they have just have picked a U.S. team? How would they have done that? Whew, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, man, that's a really good question. I don't know how that would have would have worked out. Uh, I mean, I wonder, you know, if one kind of... Like, if they, if they had said, hey, we're doing World Indoors this year, if USA's would have been canceled. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe just you just do it on a smaller scale in every way. But... Yeah. Uh, that that would be my a guess is they would still make US it work. Yeah, that'd be see that's the perfect the garden indoor US. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Greenhouses, they're kind of indoor outdoor. Um you're on the honor system, guys. Yeah, you just got to just got to say what you you actually did. Uh so yeah, that's that's a good point. Um I mean, I'm glad we don't have to try to figure that out cuz I'm sure it would have been a mess to say mm-hmm. the least, but um yeah, this is the right call. It's a, you know, and I I like indoors, but mainly it's because it's a good appetizer for the track season and it's like mm-hmm. yeah we're getting going you know indoors is happening i know all all the big names aren't here in fact half the big names aren't here but it's still fun um but yeah we yeah. can just get some outdoor outdoor meets starting in february and who cares yeah yeah I, the cost benefit is just enormously yes. tilted in the direction of cost because i would guess you'd have to pay for testing for everybody if it's yeah. a championship Right, like every I mean, day. These things yeah. are not. <clears throat> these things are not massive generators of revenue. An interesting thing to consider when you discuss track and field. Portland lost money uh, when they hosted World Indoors back in 2016. Not not the city of Portland, but like the organizing committee. Like, Portland is an economic ruin because of an indoor. Voodoo Donuts. You know what I mean. Struggling now. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean, though. The yes. uh, the Blazers might have to trade Lillard because of world. No, amortization. Yeah, I read it, for sure. <laughs> I read it in a Ken Go article a couple months back. Basically, you know, the meat the meat did not make money there. Yeah, that's a much clearer way to say it. The meat did not make money, and they sold a bunch of tickets. They did a good job promoting it. I didn't think they were excessive about anything. I was at the meet. There weren't lavish media accommodations. That was more of the granola bar style of of media accommodations. They had they had the a lot of athletes. I remember got there via rail because we'd be on light rail leaving, mm. and I would see a Croatian triple jumper next to me getting off at their stop. So it's not like they spent a bunch of money uh, and ir- irresponsibly. Um, at least outwardly that I could see. They had the award ceremony in Pioneer Square, which was not where the arena was. So, you know, there's a cost there that made it look really, really cool. So the, my, 
I'll have to say Vin Lanana was doing that and he's pretty good at these things and he wasn't able to make it into a profitable venture. So in a non-world championship year with other costs associated with it, it does not surprise me that people don't want to do this. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's a long where, story. Sorry, didn't need to well, go that long. No, and but also where on top of that, you can't even sell tickets really, or you can sell a tiny number. Right. That's right. It's, so. It's like even the the little bit of not money you're making, but the money you're making back is even not there. So what are you yeah. what What are you doing? Does that surprise you? It surprised me a little bit that he was that they weren't able to not not. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, I would have thought it would at least been yeah a small break even. Yeah, a small profit maybe like something. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I knew it wouldn't be a huge money maker or anything, but yeah, I would have thought it would have been something. Yeah. Well, imagine pre all the costs of the pre classic. Now it's Nike, so they're underwriting it. Right. But, and they sell it. They sell a ton of tickets there, but just the amount of money and appearance fees and everything poured into that stadium for one weekend is exorbitant and this is this is a whole different a whole different challenge when you talk about a global championship with just the, the volume of athletes but and that was pre pre covid but so the convention center will be silent this year but we need another email from uh, <laughs> about what else happened at the Albuquerque convention center especially why it's maybe it's being used as a uh, a testing site or a vaccine Site, mm. which would be yeah cool. hopefully yeah hopefully one of those you know like disneyland giving out a ton of vaccines that's the plan so mm-hmm. why not do it at albuquerque they're two they're two happiest places on earth might as well use them <laughs> both to uh give out vaccines i'm trying to find out where uh albuquerque who wrote in that email that was a good one Oof. i can't believe that didn't win that one didn't win any email of the year either it's t- you know it's 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 the hardest team to make or hardest thing to win. I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, actually, I don't. Even, I can't find who wrote that. Albuquerque. Just search Albuquerque. I want to give them a shout out. On here. And I can't. Well, now I spelled Albuquerque wrong. This is really going in the wrong direction. <sighs> it's a tough one to spell. It's uh, it, I constantly mess it up. Uh, so I, uh, I don't I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, in any event, we'll move on. Andrew Bumbleo retired. Yes. That's uh Yeah, I mean that make it's he's he's been around for a while, had a had a good solid mm-hmm. career, but uh it's it's like you look, you know, I <clears throat> read uh you know, kind of the the Instagram post about it and you go through like made, you know, world championship teams and mm-hmm. u.s road title fifth of boston like, like just a very solid career and it's one of those two he was kind of pre the americans really mattering on the international scene mm. like where there was a couple you know a guy here or there who would who would come in and, and medal or you know be be really relevant but this was like i feel like now we can almost take for granted like how good particularly on the women's side um but also on the men's side in track like where it's like oh no we have guys who can medal and do stuff all the time where that wasn't really always the case and like bumbleo's mm-hmm. kind of i guess crossed between those two a little bit where 2011 like 
2000, you know, early 2000s and late, uh, early, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s, like there was just not that many medalists and stuff and mm-hmm. finishing fifth at Boston and stuff like that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. Yeah. He had a solid all around career, just struggled with injuries towards the end, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the case for a lot of people, but you, he made the 2011 team. He was fourth in the 2012 trials. So almost right. made, almost made back to back teams there, which is difficult to do, but was around for a while, then made the transition to the marathon. As you mentioned, fifth in the cold year in Boston, um, was entered in the trials this past year and, and DNF'd and interesting test case in fast 5k runners transitioning to the marathon as we we talked about last week and as we got emails about this week of people um criticizing my position jason which i took very <laughs> seriously and have a 10,000 word response on but bumbleo yeah bumbleo was 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 good for a very very long very very long time and i i don't know i'm trying to think back what precipitated the move to the marathon if it was just like ah you know it's getting harder and harder to make teams. Let's just let's try this and, and see if it's if it's a way onto a team. Obviously, that's very difficult. We've seen that with a number of guys like late in their career um, try to make that jump. And I say guys because for the women, it's been it's been successful moving yeah. to the marathon late in the career. For the for the men, it's been more of a more of a struggle, even with someone. Um, like Bernard Lagat, I guess you could even say. Although he he's been around for so long, it's hard to judge him for that. But yeah, Bumbleo Bumbleo was uh, ridiculously good, thirteen twelve in the five thousand. Also, just like an amazing dude. There was another yeah. article in the uh, in the Oregonian by by Ken Go about um, about him and his um, his family. He's a foster parent. It's pretty awesome. If you have a chance to read it, you should uh, you should check it out. Um, seems like I've never met him personally, but seems like a, a very, very good guy. Um, and getting into coaching now, which is, uh, which is cool. So, uh, I'm excited to see what he does, what he does now, but there's been a lot of changes at the end of 20, 2020 in terms of groups and contracts and stuff. And with him, probably a little more closure because he was trying to make the marathon team and he already had those trials. It's, it's even tougher, I think for that group who, maybe lost their contract, but they're a 5,000 or 10,000 meter runner, not a marathon runner. And then right. now they're thinking, okay, do I, <clears throat> do I hold on for six or seven more months during this time and try to make one last run of the trials? Or do I call it right now at the end of 2020 when my contract's up, which is what, um, which what Kyle Merber did, you know, and he's in a, in a sh- shorter event and, his retirement, you know, has that was or he didn't say retired. What did he say? No longer professional runner. <laughs> His runners never retire. But right, you know, like that's a very serious like decision to make because going six seven months, if you if you're not getting as much income, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to ask. You know, if you have a family to sacrifice for that much longer. And I think a lot, you look at the odds and you think, you know, is it really worth putting that much time into it? Um, but on the other side of things, I guess, I guess it's hard too, because if you're trying to get a job for the first time, <laughs> now is a difficult time to find, find work as well too. 
Um, I'm really bringing a lot of cheer to this podcast. <laughs> I really am making people very optimistic. Save me, Jason. <laughs> I was surprised he's only 33. I would have guessed he was older than that. And Bumbleo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, not like much older, but I just guess more mid to late thirties. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he ran the marathon. He probably ran what like five marathons, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he ran two ten once um, in twenty nineteen in Chicago. Yeah. So I mean, he was a he was a like he was right on the cusp. You know, same thing with his five k. He was like a. Th- 1312 or whatever was that was the pr there too so it's like that's a good it's a good 5k runner and a good marathoner and just was just yeah. right, right you know right off the just a little bit off of being that next step yeah and you know you, you could say at only 33 and it, at least from what i'm looking at it looks like he only ran he completed four marathons and then you know didn't finish uh mm-hmm. uh the trials. the trials like that's yeah still not a ton of experience in the marathon and like mm-hmm. who knows what could happen maybe maybe he could have could have done more but you know you, you decide to to hang it up i can't certainly not going to blame him for that but uh yeah i mean like i said just a just kind of a rock solid career nothing you know it's you go like i mean run it worlds that's a that's a highlight for sure but it just it was just was like said just barely on the outside of like that big moment or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean, career highlight got to be 2014 Continental Cup. Got seventh, so scored mm. a couple points for for the North America team there too. That's 1451 right. in the 5000, real barn burner from the get go. This is a tight there. race. <laughs> Marrakesh will never be the same. One more story I want to get to before emails. Um, Kenya is officially the rumors about this, but Kenya officially bidding on the 2025 World Championships. Which made me think about something, Jason. Oh. Buckle in for this one. Okay. So 2025, that's going to be the end of this long string of championships that we've talked about. 2021 Olympics, right. 2022 Eugene World Championships, 2023 Budapest World Championships, 2024 Paris Olympics, and then 2025 in Kenya, depending on what city. Hopefully, yeah. I, w- I would say the city, yeah. What do you think about throwing our mics into the Indian Ocean? Uh, I mean, that would be that'd be incredible. I, I'm, I mean, I'm all for Kenya having the the World Championships. That seems awesome. Like, I mean, I just are they uh, into it? I it's crowd. The question of if we're going to get crowds or not. Um, you know, they don't have like the history that like a Qatar does, but I would still like to see them get a shot. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I just think, I think they would, the country would absolutely embrace it. You know, they obviously are it, insanely talented at so many events and have so many star, mm-hmm. like homegrown stars for it too, which would be amazing to watch. Um, I've never been to Kenya, but I've read a lot of articles about people who trained at Kenya for a little bit and it always seems like this amazing time. And, uh, yeah, I, I would love to, uh, I mean, looking forward to Eugene for Worlds. Because that's mm-hmm. gonna be that'll be my first world championships, and then I feel like you know that's just gonna give me the give me the taste where I'm like, yeah, I need to I need to go to Kenya for this. Well, I think we got to go to Budapest too because I mean, it's not Budapest seems it. like a very cool city. Yeah, people say don't sleep on Eastern Europe, and I'm not gonna go to sleep on Eastern Europe. Okay, so that is a that is Jason firming down, folks. So <laughs> if it's in Mombasa, we can throw them in the Mombasa Harbor, pretty convenient. Mm. If it's at if it's in Nairobi at altitude, might need to find a lake or a river or just drive to the Indian Ocean at some point. But 
I'm down. Either oh, way. here's a body of water. What's this body of water called? Okay, it is just a blue rectangle with no name on it. Thanks, Google Maps. Uh, I'll try to find. I'll try to find one for you. Budapest but, I mean, does look very yeah. nice. I'm I'm looking at pictures right now. I'm uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks pretty amazing. No, I'm in. I, I'm in on that. Yeah, I hope I hope they're able to get together a a bid. I hope they're able to find something that's sustainable, realistic, and not fraught with some of the issues that have plagued a lot of these other bids. You're right. It's hard to match the tradition and history of Qatar. Yeah. Uh, as someone as someone who was there, you know, and just saw a packed house night after night after night, I thought, is this too high of a bar? Are we? What about the other countries? Yeah. Right. What about the people who don't happen to have, you know, someone who can uh, high jump like Barshim or do the four-meter hurdles like Samba? You know, what's yeah. going to happen to you? Oh, yeah, Budapest is awesome. Um, so, I'm yeah, I think it's awesome. I think uh, we need to look to the Caribbean, too. Mm. We, need to, we need to figure out that situation, too. Yeah. Maybe Jamaica. Maybe Jamaica. That would be amazing. Maybe. Maybe, um, I don't know who else. Like Bahamas, right? They did the they did World Relays. Yeah, I drove by the stadium. That was that was cool. That was uh, yeah. You've been there. You've checked it out. I think they can make it work. Um, so I, do yeah. we want to though make a habit of giving these games to people who have fans who care? Like that just seems like a dangerous slope that we'd be doing. Like people who would get really behind I'm, it and really interested in it. Are we sure we want to do that? I'm glad you brought that up, Jason. To me, it's more about does your track facility meet the ultra-specific and mostly irrelevant arbitrary regulations put forth by World Athletics? Let me give you an example. Bid number one comes from a place that has a rich tradition in track and field Mm -hmm. and already has facilities and is going to fill the stadium because they're going to be cheering passionately for their home fans. However, its warm-up track is only 327 meters. Hmm. Now, bid number two, bid number two is in a Gulf Oil Republic okay. where they've never actually hosted a track and field meet, Ooh. but there is an indoor 400-meter warm-up track, and all the long jump runways are pointed in the right direction. Tough decision. See? Now you're talking. That's that's what I need. <laughs> yeah. They need to get rid of some of these rules. If Sebco is serious about making changes about at World Athletics, he needs to actually look at some of these regulations and 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 restrictions on who can host and who can't host and just loosen up on the ones that don't really matter. Okay. You Hayward Field, or what was formerly Hayward Field. Had to have a renovation. Well, that's a long story. But basically, what we needed thirty thousand. It needed to be a thirty thousand seat venue, right? Yeah. And Kengo went out, counted every seat at the old Hayward Field. wasn't even close, obviously. But the new stadium. And guess what? It's not going to be thirty thousand either. They did the whole renovation under the pretext that they need to have a thirty thousand seat stadium, and they built the new stadium. It's not thirty thousand seats. So are they going to? How many the can you sit away? in the towerman? Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe they're going to be sitting in Robert yeah. Johnson's office, basically. <laughs> maybe it's, it's they're counting the people on the track. I don't know. But the point is that that just proved that this is an irrelevant rule. There's no purpose behind it. It's an arbitrary number. 
Same thing for this other stuff, right? Yes, you need to have the appropriate amount of space and yes, you need to have the appropriate – but the whole idea that you need this amount of um, you know, facilities for all the big wigs, figure, figure that stuff out later. Put, put right. it where the athletes are going to have a, a, a safe and fulfilling competition and where you're going to get fans, where you're not going to have too much wanton corruption and bribery going on with it. And and let's go. I mean you put it in Qatar where it was a million degrees. Yeah. <laughs> you put it in a place where – and I was here. I was I was at this press conference where one of the first questions at the press conference to Seb Coe was, Lord Coe, do you think Qatar qualifies as a democracy? <laughs> That's where you put it. Yeah. That's where you put it. So is that more important to you? You 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 got your you got your warm up stadium in the right spot, and you got the available seats, but they didn't sit in the seats, Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a thing, and it's it's just one of those like like would you rather go to a basketball game in a ten thousand seat arena that's packed, or a twenty thousand seat arena that's half full? AKA the Thompson Mac, basically. Yeah, which I mean wasn't, you know, and the, the Thompson Mac like that was that's too big for a call. You know, it's 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 an NBA sized yeah. stadium. Like why you don't need that? That's why you know it's it's always better to have a demand for tickets than trying mm-hmm. to give them away. That's just a better better Ooh. system. We got Mister Supply and Demand over here, Econ two hundred one talking. <laughs> I just yeah, it's. It's yeah. so I think it's you know it's going to be good for most and, and most of the world cares more than the U.S. does. Eugene is one of the few places that yeah. you know we know can can fully support this, and I think that's going to be a massive success. Um, and yeah, and I think you know Kenya, like I mean the 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 fans there are going to it's going to be huge. It would be incredible to watch. You know, I want to hear from uh, I want to hear from Martin in the U.K. who's been to. Almost all the world championships. Yeah, I want to hear from sure. Chris, the man from the Isle of Man, who is the official survey responder for World Athletics, because they're going to ask Chris probably. Yeah, and they might even ask more. I want to ask people who have been to a lot of these world championships as a fan. I want to know: Do you do you like this idea? And will you be able to get over the fact if the warm up track is not big enough or in the wrong location? Will you be able to figure that out? I. I think, uh, yeah, I think it would just look awesome there. I think it would be an incredible spectacle. Um, yeah, I've said before, you know, keep, I'm fine with it being in London every single time, just because they pack the house. But if you're going right. to move it around, if you're going to move it around, yeah, put it in these hotbeds of track and field. Yeah, and exactly. That's that's Kenya, Ethiopia, the Caribbean, and that's Reno, Nevada. Those are the three places. <laughs> that's it. The Holy Trinity. Bada bing, bada boom. Email. Passwordandgmail.com is the email address. Okay. Let's start here with this one. Daniel, going after me and my, my, my marathon project take. Yeah. Actually, my American, my American marathoning take. I'll read it right now. Quick note on Sully's rebuttal to Chief's complaint about how the marathon project was covered. First of all, I like the way he's calling me Sully. Yeah. Really, really. He, Daniel and I are already on the we're already on a second name basis. 
Makes you feel like a guy you just meet in the bar, you know, is rooting hard for Boston. And don't say that. Don't say that. That, that hurts my soul, man. Sorry. Come that's, on. I feel like, I mean, but though, in that case, I think Sully's usually short for Sullivan. So, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. AKA fake Sully's. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Have you ever called me Sully? I don't think so. I don't think you have. Which is funny. I could do a weird, I could do a weird dissertation on what I know about people based on how they refer to me. Like, and almost nobody calls me Jason. Which is strange, because that's a pretty common name. Yeah, like my, my family all calls me Jay. Almost all my friends call me Halpin. It's, uh, Which is weird. Yeah, it's one of those things. That almost nobody actually calls me Jason. Yeah, okay, we both could. You could get the next chapter. I'll do chapter yeah, one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this. Maybe a multi-part investigative podcast on this. Yeah, I don't. Uh, there's definitely certain type of people who call me Kevin. Certain type of people who call me Sully. Uh, I can tell you off air. No, just kidding. Uh, I, I haven't thought that much about it, but in any event, Daniel's one of the people who's calling me Sully. He says my main argument bizarrely seemed to be that the American men were no closer to Galen Rupp. Are we assuming that Rupp is now faster than his 206? I for one would be surprised if Galen had another PR in his legs, let alone a significant one. And if Galen is still a 206 marathoner, then isn't 208 obviously closer? To that than 209, which is obviously closer than 210. Half these dudes hadn't run a marathon before 2020. Give it time. Also, I might be wrong, but I feel like you got to go back to the Bill Rogers era before you have more than one or two Americans capable of winning a major. We're in the same spot now, but now we have way more guys who can set their sights on top 10 at New York or Boston. Stop and smell the roses. Preach. Cheers, Daniel. P.S. Quick shoe take. Hoka's super shoes have the same EVA foam that racing flats have been using for years. So if the assumption is that shoes is the only thing causing the jump from 211 to 209, go ahead and mark Fobble down for 207 in shoes with the PBAX foam, which is driving the increase in economy caused by other more successful super shoe variants. Okay. So I not only am I going to have to argue with Chief, I'm going to have to argue with you, and now I'm going to have to argue with Daniel. And I'm sure Daniel represents a fair amount of listeners. So it's me versus most of the listeners at this point. I am cornered. Um... Two, I'll bring up two points here. Okay. Yes, I 100% think Rupp would have been faster. I think he would have PR'd on that course if he had rabbiting the same way that those other guys had rabbiting through 30K or – what do they go, 30K or do they get to 35? Whatever it was. Yeah, um, somewhere in there. I mean, I, I think that was a Dubai-type course. So I think he would have been – I think he would have PR'd. Um, and that's not just like an abstract thought, right? He ran – he took a shot at the American half marathon record. A couple months ago, it was it was done on a bike path in Oregon, so no one paid attention to it. But he ran sixty twenty two, so he was like 20, 25, 30 seconds off of his his PB, and it wasn't even a real race. So I think he's in actually legitimate shape, and I think this course is is faster than um, his two hundred six, and he would have taken advantage of it. The second thing, he beat he beat Hare and Benny by. Two three minutes in in Atlanta at the trials. So, I I guess is is did he I is the question did he close the gap? Like have they closed the gap on Rupp since the trials? Well, if that were the case, then Rupp would have only needed to run two hundred six fifty nine to keep the gap pretty much exactly the same. So he wouldn't have even needed to PR to keep the gap around two minutes because Hare was 208.59. Again, I'm not knocking the performances and I'm definitely smelling roses. Uh, I just, 
I just don't I do I do not think it was a monumental leap forward. Like you, Jason. <laughs> well, I didn't say monumental. You got and so I- excited you went out and bought all the carbon fiber. No, I know you didn't say I know you didn't say monumental, but um, it is here here's here's what and it maybe is, right? you want to say and well hold on. Let, let, yeah. let me say one more point. Okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but not in the way that Daniel's saying I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong in that it's like, well, yeah, Rupp's good, but other people can be good too. So maybe they didn't get any closer to Rupp this year, but you could say, well, yeah, but Rupp, if he ran 204, is is really taking a step forward relative to the rest of the world. So then these guys are still getting closer. I just think with the ridiculous drops in time that sub 210 isn't going to get you what it got you a few years ago. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Here, here's here's the best uh, analogy I can come up with. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. They... <laughs> See, you're that's already it. in. That's you're it. already in. Uh, so for the last few years, it, it, lottery, you know, not even really like like last year. You know, they're going to end with Zach Levine. Is this no, no, Zach no. Levine? I will not. I will not bring up Zach Levine and how he is unquestionably an all star right now. Um, so the Bulls, you know, they're just in, in the lottery, kind of kind of in the middle, whatever. You know, just just into the no man's land where it's yeah, you're picking eighth every year, right? It's like okay, that that's okay. that's U.S. men's marathoning. And then team looks a little stronger this year. I think they have a good shot to be in the play-in tournament. Is that a big deal? No, not really. It's the se- you know seven through ten seeds in each conference get to do the the play-in the the basketball. I think that's where the Bulls have a really good shot of ending up. Now, does that mean they have a chance at the title? No. Do they have a chance of getting out of the first round? No, not really. But it's a, it's progress. It's a step in the right direction, and I think that's uh a good thing for a relatively underachieving group of runners slash basketball players. It's, uh, it's nice <laughs> to see them doing something uh, that's good. Sounds like you need to smell the roses. I, I am. I'm, I'm thrilled that the bulls are, you know, I, I think they can be a seven, eight, okay. nine seed or something like that. Right, and but that's, the plan, but the plane is a made up thing. Well, it's, everything's a made up thing, but it's happening. <laughs> so it was the length of them. I know, but, if they get tenth and get into the play-in this year, is it better than last year if they got tenth, but there was no play-in? Well, no, but they didn't get tenth last year either. Right, but you see my point. No, like, but I'm saying like that. Either like, way, they've improved, right? Like they're better than past years. Like if the they were the if they're eleventh or twelfth the, the marathoners seed. or both, both. That's exactly. They are the. U.S. men's marathoning is the Chicago Bulls. You have to understand okay. this. Okay. Galen Rupp is Zach Levine. Okay. Uh, Fobble is, is Carter. And okay. <laughs> I, I think we need to wait on both. I think we need to wait until we see another. We need more data. And yeah, I think. I mean, we definitely this do. Race, this race was out of the ordinary, and I think we need to wait. It was it was better than the mean performance you would have expected. I think. I, hmm. yeah. Well, with, with the name, with from some of those names, yes. But if you told me seven guys were going to break two ten, and I was like, okay, well, Ward's going to do it, Fobble's going to do it. Like, I could, I could, I, I could get it to where like only two of those guys would be like, wait. That's crazy. But as it was, like five of those guys were crazy names. 
out there. But I just I want to see them on the same course as international athletes. Well, for sure, and it's it's the same it, to a, to a obviously not nearly as impressive extent though. It's the same as when nine guys run two hundred four in Dubai, and obviously yeah, exactly. it, it's not the same exactly. as that because two of but and we still have to go. All right, let's figure out which two or three of these guys are for real. But okay, but that's that's a that's a thousand percent my point, Daniel. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Is, Wearing your is white right. bands. But when they do it, it's 204. When the United States does it, it's 209. That's my exact point. Well, yeah, Thank but you. let's. I mean, we, we're not comparing them to Kenya because Next they're email. not as good as Kenya. <laughs> no, I and I look, I, and I didn't say, I, I just said they haven't moved. Well, anyway, whatever. Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> junior? Yeah. Junior? Yeah, he's okay. a junior. And it's Wendell, not Wendell. Exactly. Okay. It's big. Now, now I know. know. It's when will we know team. if I'm right or you're right about this or Daniel's right? Let's see. Uh, fall of 2022. Oh, we got to wait that long? I want to know. <laughs> Probably. Next, well, you're right because there's no ma- marathons this spring. Yeah. So we need – I think we need at least two major marathons minimum before we, we know for sure. In two major marathon sessions, you know? And what do they need to do? Someone besides Rupp and – and and Ward or Fobble need to get a top five, or what's the, or is there a time marker here? I think there's a, there's a couple different things that could happen. It could be yeah, running you know, two or nine a certain course or finishing fourth at Tokyo. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying none of these guys are going to finish top five because a lot of Americans have run top five. We just talked about Bumbleo getting fifth in Boston one year. Jason Hartman, Shadrach Biwat, like there's a lot of people who've gone right. top five in a major marathon. I'm talking about people who are threats to win a major right i think there's a difference between those two things yeah i just think this is the first step in at least three or four steps that needs to happen for american men's marathoning now you're smelling the roses jason says to the next step all right i liked your analogy it was good thank you um you know gotta take anything i can from this bull season okay i think chief got mad at me too about this so do you want to play the the voicemail (laughs) Absolutely. He's probably a Pacers fan. (laughs) What up, boys? Chief. Uh, This is Chief from Indianapolis. Uh, Sorry, I missed up the intro. But anyways, I'm thrown off because I'm listening to you, Sully, and I've got a rebuttal for you. You're talking about these 209 marathoners. I'm reading an article that's written in 2015 that has the top 25 times of all time by a marathoners or by Americans and the 17th fastest time in America by an American in 2015 was a 210 guy. I I just think, I'm not saying that we made strides, but a, a rising tide raises all ships, right? So now we have, 15 or 20 guys that are sub 210 let's celebrate that like let's at least celebrate the win before we start to belittle the performances that's my only point so not often do i have a rebuttal but you kind of fired me up a little bit there sully um and the argument like they haven't made any strides on rup well rup didn't even run a marathon pr so did they not make strides getting closer to him uh, with that, peace, boys. 
Okay, I've unified my opposition. You you have to know that Chief went running with Daniel because <laughs> Chief goes running with everybody, and they they formulated this. They're attacking from multiple fronts here. I'm I'm proud that I threw off Chief's intro because nobody's been able to do that. Yeah, in he was he was so just trying to call you know rein in his anger. Not just with the voicemail line. I think when he shows up to see people, he goes, "What up, boys?" <laughs> yep, just everywhere. Uh, I, yeah, okay. So that's the same. It's the same argument. I I explained myself. I think it's it's interesting though that all the all of you, all three of you, the three horsemen here. Yep. I'll do the super duper caveat. Like, listen, I'm not saying it's impressive or it marks anything significant. Well, because I mean, it, you know, if if your argument to start off with is U.S. men's marathoning is now here and we're going to dominate, like then of course you know you're being a little ridiculous. But you know, it's I think there is a good middle ground between that and this didn't matter. I didn't. When did I say it didn't matter? I just said it didn't. It didn't move the needle towards towards closing that gap because you look at the you just have to look at the Valencia results, right? Or you look at what what Rupp did in Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. I still think it moved the needle. Albeit okay. incrementally. Yeah. I need to smell the roses. I need to be cheery. Do it. Yeah, man. I thought you would take this role because you were the one who was you was so mad a couple of years ago about why the US men were not good in the marathon. <laughs> I mean, because because to me it was, hey, we got that pool of guys, two hundred nine, etc. Some of them don't even have experience, so there's there's reason to hope. Where before, even the guy, our best guys, our Jared Wards and, and stuff like that, who are who are solid marathoners, it's like, okay, they're kind of. Do we expect them to really drastically improve at this point? Like, there's at least reason to believe that could happen with this other pool because it's just more unknown. Okay. I'm interested in the future of this event and how it pertains to this ongoing debate that we are now having. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I'm just looking at looking at the all-time – or looking at the yearly list here. Just seeing what it takes to get in the top 100. Oh, 208.50 it took to get in the top 100 times. Okay. So we're sure. right, right on the border. Yeah. That only inc- – oh, all – oh, that doesn't – well, they didn't run Boston. I was going to say it doesn't include record ineligible mm. courses. Okay. Let's uh, close out here with Marshall. Uh, he sent two – oh, we actually we got one from the Robcat here. Yeah. <clears throat> A.K.A. Elgato Rob. Guys, especially Kevin. See? He's a Kevin guy. People call me <laughs> Sully. They criticize my takes. People call me Kevin. He says he has big, big news. Exciting news. I just played not one but two games of Among Us with Chiboy Marvin Bracey. He posted on Twitter Chiboy. the code to the room he was playing in, and I was one of the fortunate souls that was able to log on. 2021 is already off to a great start. Uh, this was sent, uh, we should mention, Tuesday, January 5th, when we talk about the year being off to a great start. We made that mistake last week of getting – we were spiking the football on 2021 when we should yeah. have learned our lesson not to do that. Uh, he says, I can provide proof if requested. Uh, yeah, let's. I want to see the screenshot of. I don't know how this game is played. Can you see the other? You can't see the other person in real life, can you? You just hear them through your headset or something. Yeah, so I, I haven't played. I, I've heard a lot about this game. I've actually been interested in in trying it out a little bit. But from my understanding, is so you have. Uh, I don't know exactly the number of players per game, um, but you have like a group of players, and you're kind of all on a team, and someone is an imposter. 
among them. Right. Mm. And so they're kind of sabotaging what's going on while everyone else is trying to, you know, figure this out. And so you're basically trying to figure out who the imposter is. Um, it's, it's, Wait, it's apparently been very popular, but I, I, I don't, like I said, I haven't actually played it yet. So you try to figure out who the imposter is and the imposter is sabotaging you the whole time. Yeah. They're sabotaging the group because you're, you're, you're doing stuff as a group. Um, and so you have like these things you have to complete, I think. Um, mm. and then, uh, yeah, so someone's someone's messing it up on purpose, and then I think you. I don't know if there's like rounds where you vote at the end. Like I said, I I'm just kind of basing on what I've what I've heard about it. Um, seems like a fun game that you know a lot of people are into right now. So uh, that's cool that, that that Marvin Bracey is playing. I bet he was what? really good in the beginning, and then he faded a little bit as Ooh, it. Oh wow, continued. wow, I'm wow! Sorry, wow. I love Mr. Marvin Bracey. Stop. He's just he's Stop. the king of indoors. Stop. I'm not going to allow this on the show. Stop. <laughs> Stop with that. After your full throated defense. <laughs> <laughs> of mediocrity, you're not going to come at a guy who's made teams, represented the USA, and you're going to say, "Kevin, be happy." The United States men's marathoners are like Kobe White. No, get out of here with that. Marvin Bracey's a straight up. I was going to say Chris Dunn. Is Chris Dunn good? Is he on the Bulls still? He's not there anymore. I believe he's with Atlanta. Okay. okay. I didn't. I, that's a bad analogy. Then anyway, uh, yeah. Stop. He's fine. He's gonna make the team this year. That's gonna be your surprise. Wow. That's there's your. There's your a big one. Not there even former medalists. No, but I think he more recently played professional football than he did uh, track. No, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be ready. Rob Cat. He believes. He believes with me. You and Daniel can go sit in the, the cynics corner. I'm over here smelling bracy roses. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something about video games, and then I forgot because I don't really understand them. Mm. Let's go to Marshall. He's got three emails from Marshall. Whew. He says, last week's podcast, Brian from Tennessee mentioned that Sarah Hall's watch had the course as long. He says, the team at Big River Race Management, based in St. Louis, was responsible for measuring and certifying the course of the marathon project. As an avid runner who just happens to live in St. Louis, I tend to find myself in a number of local races put on by the folks at Big River, most recently a socially distant 10K. After crossing the finish line, one of the timing guys asked what my watch had recorded for the distance of the race. I replied with a measurement of 6.31 miles, which is a tad bit longer than a 10K. He immediately responded, good. When we measured it, we had it at 6.27. Thus, based on my one race, Sarah Hall might onto something about a long course given the lack of races this year i imagine the course measuring guys might be a tad rusty on the other hand i'll refer you to my email last year discussing the accuracy of gps where garmin claims that a gps is typically accurate within 10 meters if you assume an error rate of 10 meters over the course of 26.2 miles this would add an extra 262 meters to the distance which equals an additional 0.163 miles while i'm not a math major i was an accountant for seven and a half years and i'm pretty sure that 26.2 plus point 163 equals 26.36, which is really close to the 26.4 miles Sarah claims her watch recorded. Whew. A lot of math. I don't, did I miss something? Why is the guy happy that he measured it at 6. Point, oh, it's just at 6.27. It's close to 6.31, but they're still off. Yeah. I guess 6.27 is fine, right? Because if it's 6.2, it's fine. Yeah. I think the big thing is you can't be short, right? Like if you run it and you ran less. <laughs> That's where the pro- yeah, the big yeah, yeah. problem comes in because then it's like, hey, yeah. should this be eligible? Blah, blah, blah. If it runs a little long, you can always say, hey, he didn't, you know, they didn't run the most perfect path possible, you know, for road race courses. Like that's really, track, it's easy. It's 
day, you're on the same surface. Mm-hmm. Even then, you're not running the exact... The 1500 isn't going to be exact 1500 for just about every runner. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, that, I think you want it to be slightly long if you're the, uh, you're the course measurer. Yeah. He also wants to chime in on Chief's question regarding the lack of style by track athletes as compared to NBA or other professions. First and foremost, I think the sheer lack of money floating around track and field is a prominent reason. You will not see athletes wrapping their Christian Dior denim flow. I'm pretty sure Sam Kendricks lacks a cowboy hat from Gucci. As you may recall, Christian Coleman, the fastest man in the world, still gets dinner from Chipotle and shops at Walmart. If our stars are shopping at Walmart, I'm pretty sure even the thought of yelling, I said, give me two pairs, I need two pairs, so I can get a stop into my Air Force Ones is unlikely for most. With a vast majority of athletes living at or below the poverty line, I would hope they are not taking their race winnings or government stimulus checks to act more stupidly, buy more jewelry, more Louis V. Luxury is a hell of a drug. The other hindrance to wearing the top of the line luxury bands to post-race conferences, at least at a track race, is probably the lack of availability. Shower between the race and the press conference probably does not apply to major marathons. NBA players have locker rooms. Track and field athletes have to carry their bags with them just like they did in high school, or they'll be lucky and a volunteer will move it for them. Then post-race, they have to immediately shovel to drug testing, which may take hours, and then probably get shoved to a press conference. Would you wear a luxury brand right after a race without showering? That is Marshall from St. Lewis, formerly of Iowa. Yeah, there's no post-race. All that happens at the same time. So any post-race press conference is they're not showering or doing anything before the event or before they – they're not leaving the venue basically. Right. And in most meets, there is no post-race press conference. There's post-race media availability where they run, they do their race, and then they are immediately doing it. So the 30 – depending on how important they are, how much media attention – how much media attention is on them and how many people want to talk to them anywhere between five minutes to an hour and a half afterwards, they're talking to one reporter after the other, after the other, after the other chief was talking about pre-race because that's where you show up and they're usually wearing some form of running like warm up athletic wear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. I mean, Christian Coleman, He's made a lot of money in track and field. He has a lot of nice clothes. I don't think he'd probably just like Chipotle because the guac or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're in your early 20s. You're going to eat those kind of meals no matter. I, I mean, there's plenty of NBA players who you see who love McDonald's. Cheesecake Factory, right? Cheesecake like Factory that. is the number one, or it used to be before the pandemic. That was like the, the place most preferred by NBA players was Cheesecake right? Factory. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, hey, I worked at Cheesecake Factory. Good stuff. Um, Give us yeah. one Cheesecake Factory secret. Go. <sighs> One secret. Oh man! Just so one interesting thing that people would not know. The factory lines are brutal. Um, just working there. It's uh, no air conditioning. It's in the basement. No. Um, yeah. What, what was different? I mean, it's uh, it took me two weeks of training, and you have to pass a hundred and sixty question quiz at higher than eighty five percent in order to get hired. Okay, that's good info. Um, so it's and then every three months there's they change the menu again like not completely obviously but there's always at least like a dozen new things that they're trying to bring in and change out and so they have all these tastings you have to do every every three months and make sure you're you're up to date on that so it's a it's a lot to keep track of for a, a restaurant job that uh you know i did for a little while how many questions right now could you get correct of that quiz Ooh, so if they didn't you know guessing they haven't changed let's let's say they haven't changed the menu since then even though they have yeah um 
I still think I, I don't know if I could get a passing grade, but I bet I could be in like the 60s or 70% range. What's an example of a question on there? Uh, so some of them, they'll show you pictures of the food and then you have mm-hmm. to correctly write like what, um, okay. like what menu item it is. Um, okay. other ones, you know, it'll be like what ingredients, um, are in certain drinks and oh, wow. what sides, you know, what window does this come from? Cause in the back there's like eight different windows thing food can yeah. come from based on what you order. So, uh, just, just a combo of all those different kinds of things. It's, it's a quite a bit. Like, I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot. Yeah. You need a bookmark for their menu. It's oh yeah it's in, it's preposterous it really really is insane um the food is is solid though like i mean that's the the good thing um you know i would eat there a lot of nights mid-shift mm-hmm. and yeah, also just you... take down a loaf of that uh delicious brown bread that they have i'm gonna give you a quiz on the cocktails ready oh man okay what's in the tropical tiki punch <laughs> uh man i know it's gotta be rum um correct probably some pineapple juice correct um some grenadine grenadine. ginger and lime are the other two ginger and lime okay yeah how about the the georgia peach cocktail do you know that georgia peach uh i'm gonna guess it has some peach schnapps peach liqueur liqueur oh that's technically not not the same thing um how about a sorry go ahead no no please Uh, i'm trying to think of a name that it doesn't give it away in the right you know yeah but and and you know I wasn't physically making the drinks myself. Like I would have to you know help out the people because we have you know bartenders so you get it from the bartender. But we still did have to know know what the drinks were. But uh, I, I probably knew the food a little better than I knew the drinks. But okay, here we go. Then I Renee's mean, yeah. special. What is Renee's special? Renee's special. Oh, was that the? Uh, I think that was like a half sandwich, half soup, and mm. was it chicken salad? Mm, hold on let me click on this even the website like there's not enough room on the internet for the cheesecake factory <laughs> menu. i had to da- sorry i'm downloading this to another server oh it's man one you half get, i hope you have an external hard drive yeah one half of a fresh turkey sandwich or chicken almond salad sandwich there we go okay a cup of our soup and a small green salad with this or a small caesar salad and then every day of the week has a different soup so oh geez. man that's impressive that you remember all this stuff a little bit yeah i mean it's it's been a while it's been what six years since I worked there? Seven years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, de- it's a decent job, and uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot though. Yeah, it seems like just uh, people there seem demanding a lot of times too. Some are because like, it's what's that? Is it I about some even? some it's some just... are, but like I feel like this is what I've I've said about restaurant jobs. Um, it's. 90 percent 85 90 of tables are totally down the middle don't think one way or the other five percent of them are going to be like the coolest nicest people ever and five to seven percent of them are going to be just absolute monsters who should never leave their house and go out to eat ever and the, it seems like more than that because the really bad ones stick with you and you know it's like a little little rough mm-hmm. but uh overall overall i think most people are pretty good I, I just thought because for some people that's like a super nice restaurant and for other people it's like, oh, no big deal. So yeah. I think that would be kind of tough because the expectations are different from person to person, whereas other restaurants seem more clearly defined in one category or the other. Yeah, it's like the it's like a slightly above 
that it's like chilies and thing like that, but it's not quite fine dining. Yeah, like upscale. Yeah, it's like Stuart casual. McSwain. Is he going to run the fifteen hundred? Is he going to run the five k? Mm. Like that's that's, that's a good point. McSwain. Yeah, he he's the he's the cheesecake factory of <laughs> citizen scene right now. Uh and he's got a lot of items on his menu, right? You can do the ten k. Can do the fifteen hundred. Right. There's it's a lot going on. Yeah, when you say five percent are the coolest people, what is it? Does that mean they just leave a big tip? Yeah, or they're just like super, fr- you know, just like overly friendly and and you know, like and even a little are bit you of, in that five percent when you go eat? I try to you? be. Like, okay, I feel like if you've worked, and not exclusively, but if you've worked as a server, odds are you're you're pretty good. Granted, there's a few people I worked with as servers, and I've go to restaurants with them and they are not cool so that's not not 100 <laughs> percent. they're uh, the other five percent yeah that, that's like dude how can you be so bad at this like as a customer when you have to deal with this like it's unacceptable <laughs> be nice to servers always just yeah. be nice they're trying their hardest that sounds like the old uh 85 10 5 rule in education oh what's that your, your little rule there i don't know if people even still say this because it's been just as it's been a long time since you've worked in a cheesecake factory, it's been a long time since I've been in a classroom. Basically, eighty-five percent of the kids, if your if your school is set up in a intelligent way, eighty-five percent will follow what you know the instructions. Ten percent may be inclined to not follow, but they'll see the eighty-five percent and then they'll go that way. Mm. And then that just leaves like that final 5% who you really need to focus on making sure they're on task and doing what they're supposed to do. So that sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But the, but the, the issue being is if you get those numbers out of whack, then the whole model gets screwed up. Right. Cause if, right. if the, if the 85 is, is lower then you, you have more people in the other category and then they're being pulled in the direction. And so then your 5% turns into 15% and then it becomes a problem. Mm. Um, but again, that's not as scientific as the new cheesecake factory thing. <laughs> Okay, I mean, last one from Marshall. You know, that's Island Islands and Cheesecake Factory. Those are my my experience. Your two favorite. Well, you worked at BJ's too, right? I did briefly. Yeah. Okay. There's been a lot of discussion regarding Molly Seidel, uh, and he says that he heard a recent interview where Molly said her last name is pronounced Seidel. Seidel. Oh, man. Seidel. 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 Okay. Seidel. Not Seidel. As someone whose last name is mispronounced, I am very empathetic towards Molly in this regard. I'm still scarred from an eighth grade track meets where I was high jumping and the guy running high jump would always pronounce my last name as Ferris, not Ferris, even after I tried to correct him three separate occasions. Well, that's – well, people didn't say your name out loud wrong, but they put it in print wrong all the time. Yeah, it was never spelled correctly one time. So Molly Seidel. Seidel, I think I'm saying that. I'm going to have to try to get that in my head. Mm-hmm. Moving forward from Saucony and potentially signing with Puma, I have a couple of thoughts slash observations. One, Molly is still listed on as a Saucony athlete on Saucony's website, as has been true. Someone is dropping the ball. 1A, turns out that Saucony athletes include Ashley Stinson, America's fastest teacher. Not <laughs> sure how she won this title, but I think we have the potential for an interesting TV, interesting reality TV show with her. Did they time her grading papers? Does she always finish the lesson plan before the bell rings or when she hears the bell to signal the end of the day? Does she instantly pick up the pace as if kicking during the last lap of a 1500? Maybe she's a gym teacher and dusts the kids in the shuttle run or one mile. 1B, Saucony, athletes, Saucony athlete and finish line vomit king Noah Drotti is apparently a musician as well and was once in a punk rock band. 2, if Molly does sign with Puma, I believe this would indicate that Puma will also be entering the carbon fiber shoe wars, but I've not seen anything maybe Seidel will show up at the Olympics in a pair of endorphin pros spray-painted black. 3, who is the best current Puma athlete, excluding Usain Bolt? 
3A. Better question. Did you know that Mondo, Carson Warholm, Andre DeGrasse are all Puma athletes? All the best. That is Marshall. I didn't know they were all Puma athletes. That is correct. Um, so the current, best current Puma athlete, I think you'd say Mondo, and then it would be Warholm, and then it would be DeGrasse in that order. Yes. That yeah. Pretty, that's pretty straightforward, right? It's close. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's Warholm would be almost first pick in a lot of things, but. Uh... If you're in Not the category this. Mondo, it's a little little tough. He's breaking the world. But, you know, Warholm breaks the world record this year and wins gold, then it's a uh, toss-up, whoever you want. Yeah, they haven't made an announcement. I, I think a lot of this stuff, it happens at the end of the year, and they're trying to figure out who's where, and then they want to do a big rollout. So could be any time when an announcement comes of who's where. I don't – I follow the stuff, but I don't ultimately pay – as much attention to it or put as much weight on it as other things because it's not as if her being on the team on one sponsorship or another sponsorship is going to drastically impact the landscape like someone switching teams in a team sport. Right. Ergo, just like, oh, Ryan Hill is no longer with Bowerman. He's with Hoka NAZ Elite. I mean, it's interesting from the perspective of, okay, who are they going to keep on their roster? A lot of times people are on groups and they're not even training together 24-7. There's a couple sessions, maybe a week that they do together. Um, and also, we probably overrate a lot of times the impact that um, – like some people are going to be great regardless in most situations. You know, if Shelby Houlihan didn't go to the Bowman Track Club, I think she still would be really good because she's Shelby Houlihan. <laughs> um not to take away from what they're doing there. They're obviously doing something right because of how good she is. But I don't, I don't, I don't follow this. I don't know. How, how do you get interested, excited in this stuff? No, not particularly. I mean, like you said, it's, it's so different from team sports where, yeah, I can swing title contenders and, and things like that. Um, like so are people I, interested, like Tiger Woods signed with Titleist or right. Something. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where I don't think it moves the needle probably for a ton of people. There might be a couple of people who are, you know, huge Nike Titleist loyalists fans. or, yeah, whatever. Like, but overall, um, yeah, I mean, I more, you know, care about the athlete themselves than, than who they happen to be sponsored by. Um, and it just, yeah, I guess it just doesn't move the needle one way or the other for me. It's probably more of an expression of the company's bottom line strength or plans than it has anything to do with the competition. Cause as I said that I thought, well, who cares about if Tiger Woods switches golf clubs? Well, the people who buy golf clubs probably are interested in that. And the people who buy running shoes are probably interested in if a pro that they like tries a different shoe, cause then they might consider it where they wouldn't have before, but that has nothing to do with the, your competitive, if you're watching it purely from a track and field marathoning is a competitive sport that doesn't impact your viewing of the sport or your analysis or your thoughts on it. It's just, it's, it's yeah. something for, for, for the participants to getting interested in. Yeah. I kind of like when a random shoe company makes an appearance. Like that's what I liked when Hoka showed up or Meb going with sketchers. Like, yeah, like that was like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. That's, that's a cool, it's, you know, it's just different than because mm-hmm. just, and also mainly because Nike makes, every athlete wear the same jersey and yeah, yeah it's not particularly exciting so anytime i can get some other jerseys in there i think that's that's good but that's more aesthetic than anything yeah but that's because you're viewing it as a fan of the competitive endeavor right versus oh i'm i'm a nip 
what running shoes should I buy? Oh, cool. Puma? I didn't know that they had running shoes. Well, let me check it out. Right? That That's that's where it has an impact. But that's not – we don't do – we're not – we don't do a podcast about brands right. primarily. Yeah. I mean, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, as I say. Maybe. I have some time now. Maybe I could do one. Yeah, Brand you lost cast. your daily podcast, so I mean – well, and you got uh, – do you have brand experience working for an ad agency so you can just totally mm. John, John Draper this thing? That's true. I just – man, I can make people want things that they don't even need. <laughs> just like the old carousel ad. Okay. Housewarn at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Um, I appreciate Daniel writing in, telling me I'm wrong. Let's get more of those in 2021. Yeah. I appreciate those. Makes it more interesting. If I happen to be wrong at some point, it's possible. You know, let me know too. I think I do a really good job of telling you when you're wrong. <laughs> That's a good point. Think, you know what? Why doesn't Kevin just stop? We need to stop already. <laughs> okay, there's going to be some indoor meets this weekend, but it's probably just going to be news bits here and out until we get to to some actual action in a couple of weeks. But we'll see. We'll see. Full surprises in 2021. That's all I know. Yeah, let's hope. Good surprises. Yes, sorry. I should have... Going forward. I got to be more specific. Only good You surprises. know, just, just putting that out there just in case. I came out pretty We're... good on like 2021 is going to be solid last week, and uh, it didn't take long <laughs> for that to hurt a little bit, but <laughs> it's going to get better. Yeah. <laughs> it can only get better from here, they said, as they uh, falling down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. PastorOrangeGmail.com. Once again, thank you to Jason for co-hosting. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Jessica Ennis. It's going to get better, really. I swear it will. <laughs> <laughs>